When booking with other vacation rental apps sounds like this. This place doesn't look like the pictures. Come on, the doors are on back. Ah, what the? Is there a door behind all those spiders? <laughs> it's time to try one that sounds more like a vacation. <sighs> look at how many spiders there aren't. Where should we lie down for eight consecutive hours first? Relax, you booked a Verbo. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Fernando. Hi, Ben. Hello, Fernando and Travis Irvine. Hello, Ben. Hello. How y'all doing? We're doing great. I I'm speak good. for Fernando and myself. That's fantastic. I think we're all doing better than Lindsey Graham. Did you guys see when he was in <laughs> South Carolina? He gave a little stump speech, and he was booed, to say the least, when he said, I got the vaccine, and everyone's like, boo! boo! Hey, my biscuits, y'all, please don't hurt me. Hey, wait a minute, I got COVID, too, after I got vaccinated. Yay! <laughs> so we're doing better than that. Okay, great. <laughs> we have a great show for you today. Andrew Yang, he has started a new party. Ooh. It's called the Forward Party. Ooh. He's done with the Democrats. <laughs> we'll also talk about what's going on with Merck. Man, I, this stuff is so disgusting. Merck is selling federally financed COVID pills. Uh, it is 40 times for 40 times what it costs. We're going to talk a little bit. Obviously, COVID is real. We all know that. Vaccines, yeah. Hey, go out there. Feel free to get it done, would you? But the fact that these institutions are making so much money, billions and billions of dollars off of this, really is disgusting. So we're going to talk a little bit about COVID from that perspective, because again, the institution of monetized human suffering is something that we're seeing more and more in this late stage crony corrupt capitalism world that we're living in. Speaking of corrupt, we will also mention ever so briefly, Donald Trump, the CIA, <laughs> and a couple of other things. But before we get to all of that, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in Texas. Have you heard? There's oh. been some stories. Okay. The Supreme Court has now suspended the new Texas law banning most abortions. A federal judge on Wednesday ordered Texas to suspend the most restrictive abortion laws in the U.S. According to the judge, they call it, quote, offensive deprivation of a constitutional right by banning most abortions in the nation's second most popular populous state. The order was given by U.S. District Judge Robert Pittman. Uh, it's the first legal blow to the Texas law known again as Senate Bill 8. So without a doubt, we will be seeing this in the Supreme Court at some point soon. And then we'll definitely know exactly where this court is going to go in the future and where they are now, especially with the addition of Amy Coney Barrett. God knows it's not uh, a home run by any stretch of the imagination <laughs> no. for people who are advocates of the pro-choice um, philosophy. Right. And then, of course, in Texas, I mean, there's a lot of legal murky area. Of yes, course, there the are. Supreme Court denied hearing it on em emergency provisions earlier. Um, and what this provides is basically a moment for people to breathe uh, on and really on both sides. But predominantly on the pro-choice side, where now, um, in theory, thanks to this judge's order, SB 8 is no longer allowed to be enforced. That's right. And so for a brief moment, um, 
clinics are back open in Texas. Women can get Ugh. the health care they need, so on and so forth. But again, there's a lot more to come. Absolutely. And again, the undue burden, that the, the stress that these overreach pieces of legislation create, it's just hard to articulate what people are going through right now. And so again, our hearts are with the people of, uh, of Texas as um, they're seeing their rights eroded in ways that many people didn't think was possible, as of course we've had 50 years of Roe being the law of the land in this fine nation of ours. But as I said, we shall truly see what do the three Supreme Court justices appointed and touched by Trump, where are they going to be at on this? And uh, again, it's no cakewalk and nothing is for sure. Well, and I will also add that um, even in Texas, I mean, there are Republicans who say that this has gone uh, too far. Absolutely. As you often reference, you know, freedom loving people can be on either side of the uh, spectrum. And I think in this case, anyone who loves freedom is like, wait, what a second. What's the government doing again? (laughs) Right. And of course, the irony mentioned in COVID a little bit earlier, the irony of some of these states who and again, I'm very much for personal autonomy, but you got to have then you have to have that. Right, and right, you can't right. have autonomy or preach autonomy when it comes to vaccine mandates. And then oh, on the flip side of that, yes. uh, force people to um, have the government decide one of the most important decisions in one's life, which is building a family and having a child. I'm trying to understand why other, you know, other courts decided not to go against this law, but he did. What you know? What is the motivating factor? Why is he actually making the moves that it we all want to see? It may have just fallen on his desk. I'm not a I'm not a, a a expert right on the judiciary, but it may have just been the case that was. I mean, theoretically, right? Wouldn't this case be given to him? Right. I mean, again, there are all kinds of legal challenges thrown at SB eight, rightfully so. And these are, I believe, these are the this is the reaction to the challenges that were filed from out of state. Uh, doctors, this may have been tied to that because there was also those two doctors right. uh, from out of state who sued. I'm still not quite sure the motivation. I'm not sure if it was to expose the the lunacy of the law or to just test it. Either way, the law is being tested. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're starting to see the judiciary finally come in and uh, and weigh the constitutionality of this. Uh, what I believe to be completely unconstitutional oh, piece yeah, of, of legislation. Right. And again, in Texas, you'd have Democrats, independents, and those uh, sensible Republicans, basically, who believe that this law goes too far. They're the ones who will join together and basically try to fight this within Texas. And that comes in addition to, as you mentioned, all the lawsuits coming out of Texas. And, uh, you know, eventually this is this is going to have to face its day in court. Absolutely. And I don't believe that Governor Abbott has any legs to stand on when it comes to this situation. All right. Let's move on briefly here. When it comes to, we talk about corporate media all the time. Oh, we do. And we talk about how it's the same power pulling the strings, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it be CNN or One American News, they're all being financed by the same corporate goliaths that have only one interest in mind. That's to sell you a bunch of crap you don't need and make a bunch of money off of your information, sweat, blood, and tears, and data. Mm-hmm. One American News, it has just been come out, it has just been revealed, rather, that um, it has just come out that 90% of their revenue is given to them by <laughs> AT&T. What? Uh. AT&T is 90, without, so in other words, AT&T, it, this is what Murdoch is to Fox News. Yeah. This is what Murdoch mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. to uh, Rupert Murdoch, of course, to New York Post. If they are funding One American News by ni- at 90%, they are 
One American News is the mouthpiece for AT&T. Exactly. Oh. That phone company is fucked and weird, dude. Yeah. I'm starting to think AT&T might be psycho, man. They might be doing it on purpose. They just want to encourage all relatives to argue over the phone. Over the phone. Night over what I saw on OAN. <laughs> Honestly, that's a great point, and it's not far off. We saw his Facebook was down previously this week after the revelations yes. that they created an algorithm that was mm-hmm. meant to be adversarial because that's how you get most air quotes engagement, but it really isn't engagement. Engagement uh, maybe uh, infers getting down on one knee and telling someone that you love them and you would oh, like to get married at one That's a nice point. engagement. That's a nice kind of engagement. <laughs> Screaming at one another from the comfort of your own home or trailer or apartment, that's not what I would uh, consider proper social engagement. So I would not be surprised if the reason why Facebook was down for six hours, 100% Ben Kissel speculation coming up (laughs) is because they changed the algorithm because there was finally some spotlight on how messed up it was. And then it broke the whole machine and Zuckerberg got to go in there and blow on it. Is that too crazy? No, actually it's very, apparently that's very, they were changing some sort of code in the background Uh and accidentally deleted all of the (gasps) the Facebook. They should have kept it deleted. God, everyone was so happy. (laughs) That's what everyone was saying. Edward Snowden even weighed in on Twitter to say, and for a brief moment there was peace on earth. But again, the corporate overlords love to see the populace at each other's throats. Mm -hmm. So we don't pay attention to what is going on right in front of our eyes. So One American News Network is primarily funded by AT&T. That's according to Reuters. Uh, of course, the channel, it is so funny that it is taken kind of seriously. Oh, yeah. Despite the fact oh, yeah. it is one of the stupidest, I mean, funniest <laughs> networks on television. But it is a little bit concerning if people watch the Chris Salito show and really think that little puke is telling them anything that is real. He's such an emasculated man. He is so desperate to seem masculine. You're like, Chris Salito, just go back to being bullied in middle school. Get out of here. (laughs) You don't need your own show. No. The the last time I watched uh, OAN in earnest was January 6th because in the morning they were the only network covering in full uh, Trump's pre-insurrection rally where Rudy Giuliani Mm -hmm. was there, this fellow John Eastman who has now come up because he's written a memo on how to overthrow the Electoral College. Um, They were all there and I was watching it just like, woo, this is fun and I'd flip back over to uh, C-SPAN and watch the Electoral Count and I'd be like, woo, that's fun too. And then eventually they all came together. Isn't it nice the Electoral College being torn apart or theoretically despised by all sides? This is my solution to that. Keep the Electoral College, allocate the votes based upon percentages of votes received, get rid of the winner-take-all approach, and mm-hmm. then you would actually have fairness. So, if, right. you know, who gets 60 percent? They get 60 percent of the EC votes from that state and so on and so forth. Then we wouldn't have these massive, like, it was 1,000 to 2. What a blowout. And then you look at it, and you're like, <laughs> actually, each state was like 51, 49. It's, right. it's quite close. So that would be my um, everyday a man approach to solving the EC problem, because I understand the Electoral College is, it's, it's hard when you see somebody lose after they've won by 3 million votes or so. Sure. It's difficult. It's a little confusing. Because you do wonder, is that democracy or is that con- some kind of flawed election process? So apparently... Again, this is according uh, according to Reuters. One American News was even the idea of AT&T executives. Uh, so they didn't just fund it. They created they, it. They thought of which it. Which is insane. 
<laughs> Which, again, is when you listen to corporate media. Why? When you listen to corporate media, remember, everything they're saying is either a lie by omission, a straight-up lie, or a truth that makes their employer look good. They're just like, you know what? Fox News isn't cutting it for me anymore. Let's uh, let's create something crazier. Well, according to now CEO Robert Herring Sr., he... Uh, he was with Fox News. He liked Fox News. He was like, we have uh, we there's too many liberal channels. We need to get something out there to compete. And as the years have gone on, I don't think that Fox News has been conservative enough for certain powers that be at AT&T. AT&T has continued tens of millions of dollars in revenue to the network, which has faced lawsuits for its coverage of the 2020 election. In fact, the, uh, the report, again from Reuters, shows that 90%, as I mentioned, of One American News revenue comes from AT&T. Uh, and of course, that includes their deal they have with DirecTV and so on and so forth. In the piece, it is reviewed that Herring was offered $250 million dollars for One American News in 2019, the value of the network would be zero, of course, without the AT&T and Direct TV deal. A representative for AT&T told The Wrap, quote, Direct TV offers its customers a wide variety of programming, including many news channels that offer viewpoints across the political spectrum, but does not dictate or control programming on the channels. Any suggestion otherwise is wrong. You know, your parents growing up might let you, like, explore yourself a little bit. Oh. But at the end of the day, they have the line, I pay for this, <laughs> so go clean your room because it's all technically mine. Right. They're still the ones in charge. So the idea that, yeah, they give us $250 million, whatever, we don't listen to them, is nonsense. Yeah. Because it's just not plausible. It's not possible because, believe it or not, when the teat that you're sucking goes against you, all of a sudden, the milk dries up. Yeah. I mean, to quote Holden McNeely, <laughs> who is evidently in love with drinking breast milk. I'm going to say that I'm I'm surprised that it's AT&T. Obviously, I am a little um, bit too. America One had to have some sort of financial backer. Obviously, there was, there, I there was a lot was, of... I thought it was going to be like some... Like one crazy religious family exactly, that has like, old wealth in it, South Carolina. Exactly. Right, but right, then right. when you realize it's AT&T, you realize the problem, you know, the systematic problem of this, that mm -hmm. this is corporate, the corporations own media and thus they can push their agenda. But, but, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go against the grain here. Oh. Does it really matter? If anything, I think this is going to push AT&T for greater highs. Just how apparently, according after the insurrection, uh, America One got a huge boost. So oh, people Absolutely. seeing this, so say you're with Sprint, you're with T-Mobile. T-Mobile is a bunch of devil worshiping heathens. Let's go to AT&T. <laughs> they support my voice. They, Absolutely. It's like uh, people that now go to Chick-fil-A. They, they right. I'm, a, I'm in line with their beliefs. The one I'm going to shop there. The one thing about going to Chick-fil-A is you don't have to sign a contract so you can only go to Chick-fil-A. Like mm -hmm. if you have AT&T as your phone service, mm -hmm. you read this article, you're like, you have any idea? It sucks to change over your phone plan. <laughs> yeah. And you have a locked in contract. So what? Mm -hmm. Like AT&T is like, yeah, oh, good luck. Go to Sprint. They're right. funding God knows what. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, it's just wild to me that the CEOs of AT&T had the same idea as Donald Trump mid 2020 election when he was like, Fox isn't treating me fairly enough. Everyone check out OAN and Newsmax. They're Abs fun. Absolutely. So this deal was first announced back in February, and it came six years after AT&T completed its acquisition of Direct TV. Oh, so that is exactly why we're seeing One America News get more eyeballs on it mm -hmm. than it deserves, certainly. 
And hopefully uh, the voices are not falling on deaf, ignorant ears. I have a feeling many of them are, but also I know there's just people like me that will watch it and laugh and laugh, but then it does get a little bit scary when you do realize someone might be taking this very literally. Yeah, the OAN footage again that I watched on January 6th. By 3 a.m. that night, they had a weird graphic of a gravestone with all the senators that voted against Trump in the electoral college count that night. <laughs> in the vote. And they were like, rest in peace. It was like, are you going to murder them all? I don't understand what you're saying, OAN. All right. Well, actually, okay, so let's so let's remember that. Let's put that in our little brains. Keep it. AT&T, Bookmark. they're funding One American News, everything that One American News is a uh, echo chamber, a megaphoned um, interpretation of the beliefs of the CEOs from AT&T. There you go. That's who's yes. going to create. If you want those people curating your your mind, and if you want them curating your news, keep the channel on. But God knows it's not going to make you any more intelligent. Let's continue on talking. We can talk a little bit, a little bit about Donald Trump. MSNBC's favorite topic <laughs> yeah. because there's nothing else going on in the world right now. But Donald Trump, his engagement after Inauguration Day, after he was, after Joe Biden's inauguration, uh, it's down, believe it or not. The it. Facebook ban, no, not the Facebook ban, rather, the Twitter ban. Mm -hmm. right. It worked when it comes to um, alleviating some of the stress and pressure Donald Trump was putting on the country yeah. by limiting his voice by 140 characters a pop. Mm -hmm. So apparently, Donald Trump's clicks and the content for him is down 37%. Um, and it shows a measure, it measures uh, clicks from social media posts referred to from Social Flows Network. Uh, the decline marked a 50% dip compared to March. The first month Trump fell free fell from the news after February's impeachment trial. So the decrease is partly explained by the fact that Trump is being written about less. There were 26% fewer stories about Trump over these past few months. And of course, the interest in those Trump stories is also going down uh, per article. They are averaging 28% less engagement on social media. So we'll see what that means going forward for him politically. And again, when it comes to Twitter, I don't give them the power. I don't want, like, mm -hmm. my Instagram was almost deleted because I posted a picture with Ed that Instagram didn't like, and I reposted it again. They Then they were like, it's going to be deleted. Violations. And initially, <laughs> initially, I'm like, no, no. But then I was also like, ooh, that might be kind of nice, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But I do understand people who say, oh, Trump, his speech is being limited. But I also understand Twitter is a horrible private company that... If they don't want you in their bar, they just kick you out. Right. And that's exactly what happened with Donald Trump as he uh, literally started a bar fight <laughs> on their platform. So they got rid of him. We'll see what happens now with Donald Trump. There's some recent polling regarding 2024 because, of course, Donald Trump, he's still raising money as if he's going to run. Uh, right. That's probably all a scam. Yeah, yes. I would think. It's Absolutely. Very, it's a very magic spot where you just keep that committee's bank account open. Yeah, keep those packs going. However, a recent survey has said that 44%, only 44%, I would say, of Republicans want Trump to run again. Uh, this survey was conducted uh, this past September. 67% of Republicans and Republican-leaning independents said they would like to see Trump continue to be a major political figure for many years. However, only 44% want to see him run again for the presidency. 
what do you guys think this means as we're seeing Mike Pence, Nikki Haley sort of do political jujitsu and try to stay as close to Donnie as possible because, again, he's got the money and they still need that 44% of the Republican base that want him to run. What do you guys think this means if the majority of people are like, stay relevant, Donald, but please, God, don't be the mouthpiece for Trumpism, which would be a little bit ironic Mm -hmm. if it does end up going to Nikki Haley. More ironic if that mantle ends up going to Mike Pence, of course, because uh, not too long ago they wanted to lynch him, (laughs) which uh, would have been uh, quite an interesting scene straight out of the Salem witch trials. So what do you guys think this means for Republicans going forward trying to figure out if Donald doesn't run? what their lane is. Yeah. Well, we've talked about it on this show before. And that of course is we know that Trump is still a big powerhouse within the party. And I think Ben, you and I have have talked about this, that potentially if, if Donald Trump did pursue the presidential nomination again in 2024, um, he probably could get it because he's still very popular with Republicans. But then the question but becomes, can you get can it with you... just four to four percent, even in a Republican primary? I mean, obviously, um, in a crowded Republican primary, the answer is yes. In right, fact, many right. people oh, would argue right, that's the only reason right. Trump made it through the 2016 mm-hmm. primary because it was 17 people and he made all of them look real dumb. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. But um, I should point out again, like Ben and I, we've talked about um, how would he do in a general? I mean, that's anybody's guess. And honestly, you really want to look at the midterms, right? Because, again, Trump's kind of trying to get involved in Republican primaries. Obviously, Liz Cheney in Wyoming, but also um, we have a a seat in Ohio where Anthony Gonzalez was a representative and he voted to impeach Trump. And now Mm -hmm. he can't. Now he's just not going to run for reelection. So that's going to become a Trumper loyalist. And that's what's interesting. The midterms and Trump loyalists, will they prevail in 2022? We're going to know a lot by then. And will that then set the stage for a more successful Trump run in 2024? Yeah. I personally don't think we're in the same climate that we were in 2016. I think people are full, especially Facebook, Twitter, all of that is different now. People know about the algorithm. Mm -hmm. 2016, it was a behind the scenes myth, like, oh, the algorithm controls. Now, Mm -hmm. we know. You know, everyone, the president has been talking about it for four years, you know. Yeah. So, it's a different political climate. And these are the, these to me are uh, the signs of it. The the less engagement of Trump, people are less interested in clicking in his stories, Mm -hmm. because it's less about that anymore. So, very telling to me, but but that 44% is still a very scary number, what Ben says. Yeah. Right. I mean, once you, I, I do believe, I mean, it happens sometimes you lose and come back. I believe Nixon did it. Um, mm-hmm. Nixon, but yeah. it is difficult to do. Right. Once you're politically defeated. Yes, exactly. You know, it changes the whole He's narrative. He's a loser. He's a loser. He's a loser well, and remember, that's one of the things he always uh, espoused not to be right, and, but according to him and a lot of his loyalists, he's not a loser. He got shafted yeah. out of being president mm. again. And if you have a chance, Jason Selvig uh, and Devram follow the Good Liars on all platforms. I believe they even have a website. They're Ooh, so fucking isn't really nice. They're so funny, <laughs> and it's, it's some of the interviews they do at the Trump rallies are kind of heartbreaking because I really do think. We're watching people with severe mental illness. And again, we've mentioned this before. The majority of people still think their Facebook pages are universal. They don't think they're hyper unique to them. So they that's why they look at you when they mention mm-hmm. how I forget the name. What, I forget what, what what's the Kennedy they think is still alive. Jo- oh, John F. Kennedy Jr. John F. Kennedy He's Jr. coming back. He's, He's going to be Trump's back. vice president. And when you look at him like, no, he's definitely dead. They look at you like you're a freaking moron. 
because they're like, you didn't see the same report, right. did you? And let me point out, this is actually very important, too, because I honestly think that if Trump is not reinstated to a lot of these platforms that he likes, most notably Twitter, which he desperately wants to get back on, but also Facebook, also the YouTubes, the Alex Joneses, all the deplatforming that has happened, I think will greatly hurt any chances for Trump running again in 2024. Exactly. Exactly. Unless A and T, AT and T wants him to come back. Well, and they that's deem it the thing. Possible. Let's not pretend as if he doesn't have a television network now. I, right. One America News. I mean, so yeah, well, he's going to miss out on some social media engagement. Only I believe it's only fifteen percent of people are on Twitter, and then yeah. Facebook has obviously very. It's very strong domestically, but as we learned on this show. Its international reach is huge, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, even mm-hmm. bigger. So I don't know. He still has massive corporate entities that were that loved what he was doing. Yes, and I was so I, that, I, those powers have a lot of sway. I would say MSNBC is one of those corporate powers as well because they've also run out of things to talk about since Trump is no longer in the picture. The thing yeah. about to me about uh, you know Facebook social media, it is emotionally based as well. Absolutely, and so Trump is still our bad ex. He was gaslighting us. He was lying to us. And that's why basically why we quote unquote blocked him, why we blocked him off Twitter, why we blocked him off Facebook. So I I, hopefully we remember that. mm -hmm. And of course, he was able to lie because he also deflected. And then we're we're looking at a specific candidate in 2015, 2016 that didn't necessarily have the greatest reputation of telling the truth. As, of Mm -hmm. course, we learn now as Monica Lewinsky continues to tell her truth and, dare I say, the truth about what happened during the Clinton White House and certainly, of course, uh, the years um, after that. So if in a world where you don't have a similar foil, Mm -hmm. and I can't imagine we'll have two more corrupt candidates than we ever had in 2016. Right. Those were historically the most corrupt. Pray to God that never happens or whatever entity you want to pray to. Hopefully, if he is against someone that doesn't have the same aura of corruption. Exactly. Then maybe that'll make people say, okay, dude, I'm sorry, but let's be honest. Joe Biden isn't exactly a super progressive lefty. So I think they're able to go with like, we'll go with the guy who's center, right. And um, who doesn't try to overthrow elections. We'll, (laughs) we'll hold our nose up on that. And again, it's not as if he's doing many things to change some of the worst policies that Donald Trump put in place. Hey, hotels.com here. Tired of the everyday? We know a hotel that's ready to unwind this weekend. Book hotels with spas in the Hotels.com app. Find your perfect somewhere. All right, let's move on a little bit to one of our favorite subjects. Ooh. And they're listening. Uh-huh. Not just because it's a podcast, because they're the CIA. Hi, oh. agent. <laughs> we talked about this on a few episodes ago. Maybe it was the last one. Abu Zabeda. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the man who was sold by the Taliban to the CIA and then put in Guantanamo Bay for, I believe, 14 years and uh, tortured and the entire thing. Go back and listen to our interview, uh, please, with uh, John Kiriakou. 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 When you want to learn more, if you want to learn more about the CIA, highly recommend it. So the U.S. Supreme Court is now going to hear arguments in a case testing the limits of public disclosure about the CIA's secret torture program after the September 11th attacks. Now, can we just say this? Um, If it's called the CIA's secret (laughs) Secret. torture program, (laughs) Uh is is it? And why aren't they letting us know this (laughs) also? So this ties into number one, war crimes. Number two, what kind of nation are we? If all of a sudden we're the nation of torture. And then third, 
Why is the Pentagon budget not being revealed? This could reveal a lot of where that money, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit in a second where that money is being allocated, but this could theoretically reveal a lot of where is the money going? Where's because the like, money, Lebowski? Where's the money? Because I guarantee you it's going to a lot of these secret black sites. <laughs> That's a very fair guess. Um, absolutely. The intelligence state, they get billions and billions of your taxpayer dollars. And as you pointed out, with uh, and as John Kiriakou pointed out, um, black sites, things of that nature, it's a lot of unaccountability when it comes to how our money is being spent. And. It'll be interesting. Again, we're going to start seeing some really fascinating cases. We'll have to get a Supreme Court expert. Ooh. But we're going to start seeing some really fascinating cases coming to the mm -hmm. Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And I really hope it doesn't go as poorly as it could because we just don't know. We don't know Gorsuch yet. We don't know uh, Kavanaugh. We don't know Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, we don't. I mean, Chief Justice Roberts, he seems to get flack regularly from both sides. Mm -hmm. So we don't know if this court is going to end up like a burger court, <laughs> hamburger court, <laughs> where people maybe thought it was going to be a little bit more conservative and ends up a little bit more liberal. Right. Or is this going to be straight up the um, theocratic hellscape that we fear? <laughs> Which I, you know, I do kind of fear. We're seeing in Texas. We're already seeing a absolutely. little bit of the signs that it's a, the, yeah, that the, the religion Theocracy. is ruling it. it absolutely. And, and that's going to be a big concern. So the central question here is, Abu Zubaydah, can he subpoena the CIA contractors to testify? Is that correct? Is that sort of what's happening here? Can the, can the Supreme Court subpoena these individuals who were masquerading as American heroes, perpetrators of torture, are they so protected that they can't even be called to testify? Exactly. Uh, it's a secret. It's a CIA secret. Can you bring a secret up in, in court? You yeah. know? And so This is the worst secret the CIA has ever held. <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's, so far. Yeah. How is it a secret? We all know where it's located. We all know what they're due. Uh, they have, uh, you know, they've, they've prosecuted people who talk about what they do there, John Kiriakou. Absolutely. How can this be a secret? What is the logic behind this? Yeah. According to Cornell Law Professor Joseph Margulies. Ooh. He says uh, he's the person from whom the torture memo was written. Goes on to say that is it was drafted in order to authorize his torture. He's the poster child for the program. Man, it's a lot better to be the poster child for like life cereal. Yeah, Mikey likes it. Checks. <laughs> mm -hmm. It sucks to be the poster child for CIA torture. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound very fun. I mean, it's such a bizarre uh, thing. I mean, obviously, I'm very glad Ugh. that secret, quote unquote, secret programs are, are coming to light. I yes. think it's very important for a robust democracy. Absolutely. But um, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes, because like you said, Ben, this could just, the courts could be lock and step with the CIA. Yep. And it just gets shut down right away. It's completely possible. Margulies goes on to say, uh, again, regarding Abu Zabada, he says the most aggressive stage of what happened to him was in August of 2020. Ugh. He says that was the period when the waterboarding began. It lasted for 20 days, 24 hours a day. He was waterboarded 83 times wow. in that period alone. I mean, it is insane. <laughs> it's just so disgusting. This was reported. It, the, the Senate Intelligence Committee knows about this. Um, it would be nice if any of them had any courage. Of course, we know for a fact a lot of these committees are nothing, are filled with nothing but unethical liars. Look no further than, again, the uh, Richard Burrs of the world and the Lawflers of the world who knew COVID was going to devastate our economy and told us everything was going to be fine. Uh, two psychologists who supervised 
Zubeda's torture, took over when the FBI failed to come up with the information that the CIA thought Zubeda had. Again, he was just sold to them by the Taliban. He just went on a wrong vacation, and all he found was nothing but trouble. Oh. On brand. <laughs> Those psychologists have testified that after six days of the so-called enhanced questioning, which is torture, it's enhanced questioning. Uh, right. I'm not fucking your sister. I'm getting more friendly. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Don't Thank worry. You. I'm like bringing the family together. <laughs> okay. It's okay. disgusting. After the enhanced questioning, again, the torture, Zubeda was a broken man, and they concluded he didn't know anything. But the CIA uh, continued to torture him. This is according to Margulis. He says, they thought he was a close associate of Osama bin Laden and had been involved in 9-11 and a senior leader of Al-Qaeda, etc., which I highly doubt they did. That's like when someone's like, in a past life, I was Cleopatra. It's like, you may have been a janitor. You know, I don't know. You just made up a background for this man so that then you can torture him and be like, we're doing a pretty good job today. Right. They had no idea. There was no clue, no evidence, perhaps other than the pigment of his skin. He goes on to say they were just mistaken. They were wrong. And what he had been saying from the beginning, I'm not that person. I don't know that information, turned out to be true. And again, this is why we can never live in a world where George W. Bush, watch him host fucking SNL next year. Yeah, I don't know if he's booked, but watch it happen. It'll probably happen. We're already out of Afghanistan. Yeah. So in the interest of protecting national secrets, you know, for this man's case, it, it there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of reasons why this shouldn't be, I think, personally protected. But Absolutely. I, but I'm also interested in seeing the precedent this sets. Yeah. If the, you know, if uh, if if CIA black sites are allowed to be discussed in court, what happens next? You know, right. is it going to go bad or is it going to be? Are we going to see a lot of this come out? A lot of more and more horrible things. Well, and as we saw when this was being revealed to the American people. Um, some of the information was able to fight through the corporate media. Right. Power shield. That was their love of war. President George W. Bush just straight up denounced it and said, we don't do that. Lied to the American people, that good Christian man. Well, and of course, that's what inspired John Kiriakou to go public with what he knew. So, you know, little victories at a time. Um, but I am also very skeptical that the U.S. justice system lets the CIA, um, you know, testify. They, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this is international as well. In 2010, Zabeda through his attorney, uh, filed a criminal complaint in Poland seeking to hold Polish officials accountable for their complicity in his, quote, unlawful detention and torture. So this man... Oh, yeah, the, one of the black sites. Yes. The CIA, that's another whole legal loophole. They have these black sites all over the country, and that's, or excuse me, all over the world. And that's what Kiriakou was also saying, that most of the times the leaders of those countries don't even know the CIA is operating in their country. And when it comes to the Supreme Court and what they're going to decide, decide, Brett Kavanaugh, let's not forget, he was one of the top aides for Bush. And uh, he was there on 9-11. That's right. And he probably knows everything that was happening. So if he admits that the black sites were wrong, if he admits that torture is wrong, he'd have to admit that he was wrong. And as we know with politicians and judges <laughs> and Supreme Court justices, they do not like to admit fault. No. It's almost like they're sociopaths. Yeah, imagine that. And in that case in 2010, they actually denied it. You know, so it, yeah. it sets the so, so, yeah. so it sets that precedent that it, this probably will be denied. But 
That's Ugh. not what we want. You know, we we talk about this all the time. We want to we want transparency in the Pentagon spending. We want transparency where our money is being used to torture people versus mm-hmm. help people. Yeah. And this all the thing that they are trying to roll back is it's a privacy law um, that was adopted by the High Court in 1953. Uh, this was it was basically to decide if so-called state secrets privilege protects the information in a case. Uh, ultimately, the courts made the decision that in this case, the Trump administration and now the Biden administration opposed Zubeda's subpoena for testimony from the two psychologists. So it looks like they're using this old ass 1953 uh, privilege privacy law mm. to say, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to let people know uh, what's happening on these black sites um, in these jails as people are getting tortured because they're in the wrong place. At the wrong time. Uh, finally, when it comes to Margolis, he's the lawyer and again, the uh, law professor, he says, yes, in this case, gathering information for uh, use by the Polish prosecutors, there needs to be accounting. Torture must be known. You cannot allow torture to be done in secret and kept in secret. That's fundamentally what this case is about. So it looks like the only defense the U.S. has is, but hey, man, we got a lot of power. <laughs> Can we please have the privilege of privacy? Again, wow. I feel Despite like... Despite the fact, again, as we talk about the data mining that happens on our daily basis. Right, or the fact that a woman's right to choose is ingrained in her right to privacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're out of Afghanistan, as I said before. Why are we holding this man hostage? You know, why? Well, well, yeah. you know. It's ridiculous, and it's all about power. And again, it's, it's about admitting that they were wrong, which is something that the powers that be cannot do. We're also figuring out, again, as we talk about the need to audit the Pentagon, which doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon, we slowly see a trickle, ooh yeah, trickle, of where the money is going. Mm-hmm. According to CIA Director William Burns, he announced a series of new, I guess, mission centers is what they're calling them. So these will obviously be extremely, extremely expensive. The one mission center is called the China Mission Center. This is according to Burns. Again, he is the CIA Director. Uh, he says, quote, The China Mission Center will further strengthen our collective work on the most important geopolitical threat we face in the 21st century, an increasingly adversarial Chinese government. My question is, aren't they already doing that? Uh, Like, what do we need? I thought they were. Like, I, I thought they were, like, monitoring China a little bit. Also, why aren't they... As we talked about before, where is all the support for Hong Kong? Oh, corporate media. I wonder if AT&T wants to work in China. (laughs) So we better stop that. Yeah. God forbid John Cena mentions uh, freeing Taiwan. So the other mission center is going to be the Transnational and Technology Mission Center. This is going to focus on foreign technological development alongside issues like climate change and global health. Uh, Tomorrow's episode, later on this week's episode, we will talk a little bit about climate change from the CIA perspective, because interestingly enough, they're taking it and claiming it to be, and of course, I think all of us agree climate change is exceptionally real. The CIA is saying it's an existential threat. Now, again, everything the CIA does and says, we have to watch the verbiage versus the actions, Mm -hmm. because who knows, you can use that for anything. What does that mean? Yeah. A harp weather gun? I we, mean, not to be Alex Jones. <laughs> right. We need to torture these trees. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> some information from I them. don't think the CIA is the best group of people to take on climate change. Right. EPA seems nice. Dep- uh, sure. Department of Interior. Uh, several others. Weaponization is all I hear. For That's, sure. Yeah, it's just a yeah. hammer. There's nothing else. They don't do anything else. It's impossible. 
Is it is it just that they they're done with Haiti, so now they have all these agents at the CIA that don't have anything to do? Honestly, I mean, no. I mean, pulling out of Afghanistan. Remember, we we've kind of talked about this. Yeah. The drawdown of our troops from overseas means they have more time to do other things, and um, yeah. a lot of the the calling for the additional funding to the Pentagon that just got passed through this year under Biden um, is because they want to keep a check on China, Absolutely. and they want to keep more eyeballs on that part of the world. But like you, Ben, it's kind of like well. You were keeping a good watch in Afghanistan. Turns out there is nothing there. Mm -hmm. So just uh, use my money correctly. Absolutely. Again, uh, according to Burns, the uh, head of the CIA, he says, uh, throughout our history, CIA has stepped up to meet whatever challenges come our way. Mm. Like a Catholic president. (laughs) Bye, Kennedy. He goes on to say, and now facing our toughest geopolitical test in a new era of great power rivalry. CIA will be at the forefront of this effort. He goes on to say, there's no doubt we have the talent for the job. And with the right approach, the right structure in place, I know we'll help ensure American leadership and American success on the global stage for decades to come. And I am all for American leadership and I am all for American success. I also am for the uh, American government via the CIA to stop messing with every other damn place in the country because every time we go (laughs) fiddle with something, it seems like it just gets worse for us in the long run. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. Uh, And of course, now you're going to start hearing a lot of verbiage calling this straight up the new Cold War. That's what they want. And in order to beg for money, you have to have a reason. Mm. And this now we're talking. Now they're and gonna this find is, this a is a heck of a reason. We were talking about yeah. this on the uh, Mike Warnke episode for last podcast on the left. Satanic panic. Without Satan, you ain't gonna be bringing a lot of money into your church, right? Because you need the devil in order to uh, solicit and elicit funds. Mm-hmm. And yeah. In many ways, that's exactly what's happening. Fear here. continues to be the most motivating factor. This yeah. is a thank God for Satan moment thing. And of them. course, <laughs> when it comes to absolutely, when it comes to Michael Morell. Uh, He is the deputy director. Uh, He is a CBS senior national security contributor. Again, just works with the CIA and then goes on news. It's like, no, I'm with CBS. I'm news. No, you're a mouthpiece. It's (laughs) a massive difference. (laughs) This is what he says. He says, I think Director Burns made exactly the right set of moves here. He says, they sharpen the existing focus on China and create a new focus on technology. Morrill said, of the two, Technology is the biggest area for growth because it's evolving the fastest and because the agency has a long, long way to go. And I said this on the live show, and I firmly believe it. Within five years, I think Space Force is going to have the most amount of secret government money going to fund it Mm -hmm. because that's obviously where all the new development is going to be. That's where all the new infrastructure is going to be. And that's the new Cold War. It's going to be fought in space. Yeah. Only 30 years after Ronnie Reagan said it would. Hey. Or maybe 40 years. Oh, my God. 40 years after he said it would. I can't find my jelly beans. <laughs> oh, yeah. What What worries me about all this is that, like, none of us really hate the Chinese people. There's nothing of wrong with the Chinese not. culture. Right. This is not a cultural thing. This is, a, it seems like a very corporate, very top level war. Yeah. And we're just watching. It's like we're watching our parents fight. Yeah, exactly. you know, and oh, we sure. like and, like I love China. Uh, I got nothing against Chinese people. I love Chinese course. food. I love Chinese culture. <laughs> but no, they're trying to take over our. You're, they're trying to take over your media, and they're they're coming for you. The Cold they, War's coming. They yeah. now officially do have a larger GDP than us, as we've seen with Holly. 
weird. Mm. Well, Hollywood, uh, they kowtow to the Chinese now, the Chinese government, the powers that be. Again, it's never about the people. The people are all great, and the people are the ones who are suffering, and uh, that's who we fight for on this show anyway. So according to CIA Deputy Director David Cohen, he says, uh, again, regarding China, he said this at the annual Intelligence and National Security Alliance Summit. Which, man, to be a fly on the wall of that, <laughs> weirdly boring, but also fascinating and completely horrifying event. It's all yeah, death. Yeah. <laughs> this is what he had to say. He says, that's the problem. We confront and our colleagues confront in many places around the world, calling it an enormous challenge. Of course, again, we're talking about technology with Russia and China. Uh, he goes on to say, the answer is that we cannot pretend we can roll back the clock 30 years. We are, frankly... Embracing the digital domain, the ability to operate in the environments where there is this surveillance, that just seems to be the way of the future. Um, Evidently, this is also the John Brennan formula. The CIA, the current CIA director is using uh, this strategy. The organizational structure was created by former CIA director John Brennan, who, again, we know now has heavy investments in things like Facebook and so on and so forth. Um, also, it was helped to be established by Mike Pompeo, the former Ooh. director of the CIA and close Donald Trump acolyte and ally. So there you go. The China Mission Center and more coming to a suburb near you. Oh, good. Well, <laughs> at least exciting. they didn't give it a, one of those uh, weird names like secret black site. Yeah. <laughs> according to Morrill, he said, uh, John Brennan designed the organization of the CIA to be adaptable and plug to play mission. <laughs> God, the way they talk about it is like people talking about playing fucking Far Cry. He says, John Brennan designed the organization of the CIA to be adaptable to plug and play mission centers based on substantive needs. Burns is doing exactly that, putting the focus on the key issues of the day, which have changed over the last 10 years. I just don't trust the CIA to be handling um, massive foreign policy negotiations that can all and need to be settled diplomatically. The CIA is not a diplomatic institution. No. And I don't understand how we don't have accurate diplomacy with the Chinese, with the Russians. It just seems like the best way to avoid conflict in the future. Yeah. I mean, the CIA is in the business of uh, spying, lying, and making people dying. I mean, that's what we've covered the last few weeks. I mean, the, the fact that they had a whole plot to uh, kidnap and assassinate Julian Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep your eyes peeled. This keep will be interesting. Peeled. We'll also talk about this on next episode this week when it comes to AI. The AI is now being used from the satellites, the 38 satellites that are up in space that we talked about last mm-hmm. week. They are now using AI to pick targets from satellite photos. And I just really hope they get it right. Uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow, though, so don't worry about it. All right. Just lastly, um, man, Mark, they, uh, again, they are selling the COVID pill to the U.S. for 40 times what it costs to make. And when we say they're selling the pill to the U.S., that is funded by us, of course. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they are ripping off every single freaking taxpayer in this country. Twice. Twice. <laughs> It's disgusting. Apparently, a five-day uh, course of a drug that I can't pronounce, Fernando? Molnupiravir. Okay, evidently, <laughs> that uh, medicine costs $17.74 to produce, and the U.S. government is buying it for $712. Oh what? So there you go. Thank you so much for all the hardworking fiscal conservatives. Yay. Who know exactly what they're doing. 
when it comes to paying way, way too much. And again, this company should be ashamed of themselves as they rake in billions of dollars in profit um, on the back of the American worker. Right. literally what's happening. It, and the bill itself is supposed to work, right? It's supposed right. to like, it's, it's going to cut hospitalizations. Um, if you get COVID, you're, you'll be less sick. And that's that's huge. And I think that's absolutely wonderful. Um, however, again, it really does not offset how corrupt Merck is for charging 40 times what the product is worth. It reminds me a bit of Pharma Bro, but if Pharma Bro is on like massive amounts, like if Pharma Bro was an actual pharmaceutical company. Martin Scarelli? Yes. <laughs> oh. This is a Scarelli move. Very <laughs> much so. And of course, this has been in the news lately because part of uh, the upcoming Reconciliation Acts and other things that Democrats are trying to get through as part of the Biden agenda, is they're just trying to make it legal for Medicaid and Medicare to negotiate drug prices with these big pharmaceutical corporations. And unfortunately, yes. the pharmaceutical corporations obviously like to charge the government as much as they can. Absolutely. And interest. I know that I know there's trials and, you know, things happen right at trials. Right. Sure. A lot of us, maybe when we were broken, my friend Tim used to go to Madison all the time for like a weekend and come back with like a bunch of zits. And I'd be like, what did you do? Oh, the you trial mean like for? medical trials, medical trials. Okay. Right? Yeah. Oh, medical trials. <laughs> OK, so this this drug was uh, tried for 29 days, right? Uh, there were no deaths among the reported 385 patients who received the drug. However, eight people who received the placebo died. So you would think that, <laughs> oh, like, Jesus I would have really preferred oh. not to be the test group. Could I not be the placebo group, please? They just what kind you know? of killed eight people to be like, yep. They're dead. Well, well, that what that means statistically, <laughs> that means statistically representative that the people who took the pill were protected. Yes, yes that's exactly. Yes, yes. So that's all. So I, and I know that who, they should. I know they can't give the pill to everybody. I know you have to have a test market. It just sucks to be the placebo group. It does. Well, it looks like the placebo was 100% not effective. Uh, you know, that's a good thing. And then it's, it's a pill, which is a great thing because yes, uh, this absolutely. can be administered in third world countries because right now, uh, you know, the monoclonal antibodies, those have to be administered intravenously. Yes. So in order to get treated you have to have a nurse come you know prick you but with this you can literally just hand someone a pill and they won't go to the hospital and get sick potentially yeah. huge yeah they're looking at about seven billion bucks in profits by the end of the year uh, and uh again that is because they overcharged us the american people 40 times what a drug is worth to save lives they know they got us over a barrel yeah and they're just like yeah they're, okay then you don't get it and it's like i can't believe that that this corrupt corporation just gets to play with our emotions, man, the way that they do right. and literally hold us hostage. And it, That's it, all it is. It's a, a freaking shakedown. Again, it's the same thing that Bernie Sanders has been saying on the news probably longer than the last few months, probably for like decades. But these companies get federal funding to test these said trials. This is federally funded. That is your taxpayer dollars. And for them to turn around and yeah. say, cough it up. Cough up some more. It's like Fernando said, it's a double steal. No, we paid the $17 for we you to make you, it. Buddy. Also, <laughs> and just to show you, this doesn't have to be this way. There's an Indian company that has created the same drug. They are only charging $12 oh, for a five-day treatment. Well, look too bad Americans that. aren't allowed to buy drugs from other countries mm. by order of the pharmaceutical corporations. Se lobbyists. Seriously. This is according to uh, Dinzar Gotham. Uh, that is a physician at King's College Hospital in London. Uh, they say offering someone a $700 treatment when they don't yet feel that ill is going to mean that a lot of people are not going to take it. Yeah. Which is another great point. Um, according to the report in, in London, 
the pill is going for $19.99. So it's just insane that the U.S. is getting totally fucking screwed yeah. when it comes to the pill. It's, it's, na- it's nastiness, dude. It is absolutely nastiness. So the arguments about universal health care not being affordable, Ben, why? Why, Ben? This <laughs> competition. Is this Maybe is some a- competition would have been nicer so a company could have undercut, go with the Tom Green route, undercutters pizza, yeah, and mm. sell it to the government even for $100. Even just five times what it's worth would have been nice. <laughs> five times. That's all we're asking. Sure. I mean, again, this is something we've seen in our country for a long time. Insulin is the perfect example Absolutely. for whatever reason. Uh, you can go to Canada, you can get a bottle of insulin for 30 bucks, which is, you know, even again, like you said, I think it's about three times more than it costs to make it. But then in America, that same bottle is $300. It's just if everybody's going to die, you're not going to have a customer base. Oh, Melissa Barber, she's a doctoral candidate at Harvard School of Public Health. Uh, this is what she has to say regarding the cost. She says, if you can't afford medicine because it's a thousand times more than you can afford or because it's a hundred times more than you can afford, it doesn't matter. They're both bad. Yeah. I mean, the, more people uh, are going to be dying. That's a, that's just another outcome. To correct what you said, Ben, uh, it, the the Merck pill is the same pill that they are selling in India. Okay, they're so selling it's the same it, pill. Yes, they're selling it okay. here for seven hundred and twelve dollars because they can. Because they can. They're <laughs> selling right. it in India for twelve dollars. So again. It's all about this corporate greed. So Oof. when we vote with our dollar, when we shop at AT and T, when we shop at you know that bird, that chicken place I always talk about, Chick Fil A. Yeah, when we chop at Chick Fil A, <laughs> this is what we're talking about. These yeah. kinds of manipulations and machinations behind the scenes. Absolutely. The only uh, downside of medicine and voting with your dollar is sometimes you just need that medicine. Exactly. And you're forced to give your dollar to these people. Yeah. What a failure. Yeesh. Yeah, according to Gotham, just lastly, he says it's a great coup that the American government funded some scientists to develop antivirals. The great tragedy is that after their great success, they gave it away to private industry with apparently no strings attached. Wow. <sighs> it's the same thing that happened with a pre prep pre-exposure prophylaxis mm-hmm. the the you know the for drug. HIV AIDS. exactly yeah. uh you know the guy developed it he was told during R&D that we're going to sell it we're going to give it for free we're mm-hmm. going to give it to everybody for free as soon as it was made Brutal. the company that owns it patented it and now it's very expensive disgusting and i think i believe the patents tend to last what 20 years before they can go generic exactly. or even longer than that sometimes exactly um also all right just lastly we have a bunch of stuff to get to in the next episode just lastly, Andrew Yang, he's been on the show. He is done with the Democrats after I don't even know what happened in New York. I don't know. I show him, my, I show his Instagram to my friends and be like, this is how not to do it. And I didn't do it right. Yeah, right, right. He smiles too much, I think. Anyway, that's just me. Um, he has officially began a new political party. It's called Forward Party. Um, it is characteristically sunny. Um, it's unfortunately unclear as to uh, where the party, it's unclear how he will organize this party nationally. Right. Because, of course, to have a party go national, as Travis, you know, working on many political campaigns, it's a freaking nightmare. Yeah, especially because, third party, minor party. Exactly. And especially now, as Democrats and Republicans have squeezed out the third parties right. of many, many states. I believe Ohio, do they even have one anymore? Oh, no. Ohio has been completely uh, screwed. We only have Republicans, Democrats. Um, 
independence. I mean, it is accessible still to be an independent, but as Ben pointed out, from state to state, depending on who is in charge, Republicans and Democrats alike have made it so onerous and so impossible to get any type of minor party or third political party, much less a new, a brand new political party to get ballot access. And that's Absolutely. the thing is, is that was the key point. If you go back and watch Hail Yourself America, when we ran Ben with the Reform Party mm-hmm. and we were trying to run with several other third political parties, if you're not on the ballot, it's real hard for people to vote for you. And so Absolutely. that's going to be Andrew Yang and this new third political party. Uh, that's going to be their challenge going ahead. So to them, I say, well, welcome to hell. Well, welcome to hell, but also... Um, it's a good fight. It is a good fight. It's and noble. as I I've, I've, I blasted Andrew Yang, <gasps> but I think this is good for him. It's good. Like, learn the process. Mm-hmm. And if he can add... If he can... If he can put forth a popular policy that can be adapted by one of the two major parties, mm-hmm. that would be a good win, uh, you know, whatever it might be. So, of course, mm-hmm. you know me, uh, civic engagement. I love it. Right. But as we as we know, third parties are notoriously difficult. In 2016, a race between literally one of the two of literally between two of the most unpopular major party candidates in yeah. the history of the country. Yeah. Uh, still only six percent of uh, voters cast their votes for long established third parties also get rid of that entire notion that third parties are spoilers you got to get my vote buddy yeah oh my um, gosh yes we've covered that on here too and also that would my idea of allocating the votes based upon percentage um when it comes to the electoral college would also i think squash the whole argument that third parties are killing our democracy right because um less choice is never Not a good thing. Never better. <laughs> right. No, I wish the American uh, system was a, a parliamentary system or just like these other countries, you have three, five, up to seven major political parties that all have a chance. It forces them to have coalition governments. Absolutely. And then they just unite on policies that they agree on. Which and is what like we need. Which is, sounds <laughs> yeah. so magical to so me just, right now. Just some of the bullet points from Andrew Yang. He says the goal is to, quote, open primaries and ranked choice voting. Fine with that. Mm-hmm. Universal basic income. Woo-hoo! I am fine with that. As these companies make billions and billions of dollars off of our souls, our data. Uh, he goes on to say human-centered economy. I love it. I don't know what a human-centered economy is, though. Mm. I think rather than a production-based or like machine-based economy, I'm assuming. Labor, oh. la- cap, you know, labor is the people. Keep Capital. in mind, Yang, yes. Yang was one of the only candidates to really sound the warning bell about AI and, and true, uh, true. things okay. like that. True, true. Okay. Fact-based governance, modern and effective government. And lastly, grace and tolerance. Oh, so some oh, some yes. wide oh. some wide sweeping um, sort of ideas in that. Sure, but, you know what? Again, more voices the better. And Andrew Yang, I wish he would never have ran for mayor because I really think he should have just ran in Synecdoche, New York, where he's from. I think he could have a house seat right now. Yeah, that was my thing too. Politically, he was more of a national figure, more of a national name. That's where his support came from. So I, I feel he would have gone way. local again. Use all of that, harness all that energy, keep it, keep it tight. Yeah, New York City, as we have found out ourselves, is tough. But <laughs> you know, it, it's the hundred different countries in one six mile radius. Yeah, I kind of agree with MSN though. I love, I love the list. But it is kind of buzzwordy. It, sound, it is. You know, it it is. sounds yeah. like okay. a, what you get in orientation at a new job. Like, we're a little bit different here. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, historically, third political parties, again, it's a noble fight. That's how we abolished slavery was the emergence of mm. third political parties advocating for it. That's how we got our 40-day work weeks, your Eugene Debs's, mm-hmm. your progressive populist and socialist parties back in mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. late 1800s, early 1900s. So, you know what? Maybe it's time. And if anybody can do it. 
It's Yang Gang. All right. Well, he does, definitely has a posse behind him. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll be back with you a little bit later on this week. I want to thank everyone who came out to the Hollywood Forever Cemetery show. It was so much fun. Y'all were just wonderful. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for supporting the show. All right, everyone. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.